Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Now you're very welcome back. Mr. John Bruin is here. He is to the rescue. John, hello. Hello, Joe. Sorry for the last minute call this evening. We had some technical issues. We would give you Ah. more notice usually, but you're saving everybody from dead air here. Well, let's see how we go, shall we? Or even worse, you're saving them from being tempted to watch the Ronaldo interview, which I think has just started. And Lord, Yeah, I I have it paused in front of me. Oh, John. And he's looking very concerned (laughs) uh, for himself. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So... well, we, we, apologies, slight delay on the line there, but we're going to talk England. We've talked with Tim Vickery in the last hour. In the next hour, Gavin Cooney is going to join us to talk about uh, various European teams. We have Marcelo Mora Iorahu talking Argentina. We had Filippo Clare last night uh, painting a very downbeat picture, actually, when it came to France. So England are of interest. Just a, a, a broader question for a moment, because obviously I'm sure you watch the um, media goings on at large and you've watched England World Cups over various years. It was quite interesting looking at the team photo that was released this week of England, just how happy and content they all seem. And I don't know if it's because the power of the tabloid press has waned and maybe been replaced by social media or if it's maybe Gareth Southgate's efforts to charm the press and, and, and play darts together and, 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 and bring everybody together have, have worked. But regardless, unlike in so many previous iterations of a major tournament, I no longer sense an England team heading out there, uh, frankly, more than anything, just waiting for the inevitable backlash when they crash out. Yeah, I, I think that's right. When you look at that, um, that photograph, I know the one you're referring to, it looked more like... Uh, like like a team photo at an all hands meeting of a tech company or something like that, didn't it? it, it rather than a football team, uh, all very happy, um, very much Instagram friendly, and I suppose that is what you say is correct. There is that has been that change in the the media. Um, the, the gentlemen of the press, my colleagues, your colleagues, um, don't possess the same weight, the same uh, power over people's opinions that they that they once did. And I would say that one of the good things about Gareth Southgate's regime, and particularly, I mean, you have to say uh, he's done as well as any England manager apart from Alf Ramsey, but what you would say is a big part of the success um, outwardly is that Southgate himself is, having worked in the media, um, has a sort of open-door policy to, to, to the media. Um, you see those darts games. Now, it's all a bit forced. It's all a bit false whimsy that would be my if i if i was in that training camp i'm a cynic i i i would see what was going on there but it's successful and i do think that the relationship between uh his majesty's press corps and gareth southgate's um team and the backroom office is very good at the moment mm-hmm. and they're pulling together now there are those journalists and i'm sure we could you could pinpoint them and i won't name them you could find them out yourself that are those that are probably sharpening their pencils for Gareth Southgate because they want something different. It's maybe been a bit too nicey-nicey for some of them, but as it stands, all is well. Um, and as you say, that's different to, well, uh, certainly in the era before Gareth Southgate, you think back to Roy Hodgson or Sven-Jorn Eriksson mm. or those eras. 
So on the face of it, in so many ways, Gareth Southgate has done an excellent job by the standard of pretty much all of his predecessors. Why is there a negativity amongst a reasonable section now of the English public? Yeah, well, I suppose, um, okay, it cuts in two directions. One of them is a footballing reason, uh, and the other one is, um, I suppose you would call it societal political. And let's cut to the second one briefly. And there is this idea that maybe Gareth Southgate is a bit, and uh, I hesitate to use this, use this word, woke, uh, you know, and a bit right on. Um, and he has addressed social issues. He does have what I would call the right answers to several of these questions. Not all of them, but he has a uh, a grasp of those issues. And I think maybe there are those people that seem as a little bit political. But if we flip back to the football, which is, well, what the World Cup is supposed to be about, though we know this one is not, um, there is this idea within Englishmen and English journalists and certain uh gung-ho types down the old English boozer, that England should just go for it because we've got the talent. Why don't we just go for it and unleash this, these, you know, unleash the dogs of war, cry havoc, unleash, you know, the dogs of war because we're England and we can beat anyone in our day and we have really talented players. Now, there is a logic to that. There are some talented attacking players. Mm. Um, the, but uh, Southgate has been quite successful with a fairly conservative style, a non-pressing style, a style that you would say is probably, um, uh, if it's modelled then anyone, modelled on the success of, say, Portugal and France, which is keep it tight, pick your moments, try and win the game that way. Um, and there are those that think that Jude Bellingham should be given uh, the creative director role, that you know Saka should be allowed to do what he likes. Um, that think someone like Raheem Sterling is too negative a player, ludicrous concept, but some do, play Phil Foden, play Jack Grealish, and just have at it, yeah. you know, like, like, like Ozzy Ardiles or something. But, uh, yeah, it's not a, it's not a view I, I countenance. And why would Gareth Southgate change what is, if not a winning formula, a successful formula? Because he has been very public and very clear in the past about the fact that this is how he sees tournament football that yeah. it is very tight, that Trent Alexander-Arnold can't be risked in a knockout game. Maybe over the course of a 38-game season for Liverpool, the cons, or the benefits rather, outweigh the cons. But against Real Madrid in a Champions League final akin to a, a World Cup game, that one mistake might be the only mistake and it might cost you the game. And so uh, he's been pretty um, open about that. You know, he, he has said as much. He hasn't tried to talk up the approach as, as somehow being more expansive than it actually is. He's, he's, he's been pretty honest with the, the public in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And um, maybe uh, for those that criticise him, he pays for that honesty because people will turn those words against him. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, listen, Gareth Southgate, he isn't the most experienced manager in the world. You know, he had a fairly limited career uh, with Middlesbrough and obviously through the under-21 and, you know, as part of the England setup. He's just doing the best job that he can, and that job's better than others have done before. Now, it may well be that, um, as as happened, say with Yogi Love for Germany, that eventually such a strategy becomes outdated at international level, relies too heavily on certain individuals being able to come through, and it comes apart. But it, when the postmortems are written on Gareth Southgate, and there are those that hope that that happens after this tournament. 
he's been, as, as to repeat, a, a successful manager and England will struggle to replace him uh, and they will also struggle to replace that very public presence, that very calming presence. Um, uh, uh, the, the one that, uh, as I said before, uh, certain people don't warm to, though I wouldn't say necessarily warm to Gareth Southgate myself. He's, he's, he's a decent guy. Yeah. But I know that he is... Uh, um, He's doing things for the right reasons. I think that means a lot. I think that does that does count for a lot. Yeah. And this was his approach last year at the Euros, which very nearly got the job done. And if you think back to the Euros, again, there were similar conversations happening about the negativity. I mean, Bellingham will start alongside Rice as opposed to Calvin Phillips. So the occasional 4A forward there in Bellingham's part might add a degree of something. Yeah. But I, the most pertinent point, and it's probably not been talked about enough, is that this keep a tight logic and let's hope our forward players can do their thing. That was undercut quite seriously last summer when Harry Kane was struggling for four mid-tournament. Whereas Harry Kane pitches up at these Euros, well, according to Conte on the one hand, quite tired. But on the other hand, he has scored 14 goals in 23 games and is a notoriously slow starter in lots of seasons. So that would suggest Kane is in very good form. And be it Mount or Foden or Sterling or Grealish behind him, I mean, I, it's not the worst plan to keep it tight in tournament football. Let's protect our uh, centre-half deficit. And that, now we actually do have Kane in form. Now we actually do have somebody who's going to score one, two goals, potentially a game. Well, yeah, um, I, I suppose one of the things is that, you know, as Kane pushes towards 30, you begin to worry about the, the pressure that his body's been under for such a long time. But I, I've always thought about Harry Kane that... Um, like some sort of racehorse, he comes into form around the turn of the year. So that's good for England. Um, the players you mentioned there, though, that supporting cast, um, I don't think Southgate has ever found the best from Phil Foden, uh, or certainly the Manchester City level from Phil Foden. Though, actually, if you think back to the Euro 2020 final, probably the player they missed the most in that second half when they were the game was starting to go against them was someone like Foden to add that extra bit of magic, that, that ability to maybe hold the ball and also create chances. Yeah. Um, and then Jack Grealish, who, I, I, forgive me, Joe, I think every time I ever speak to you, we always end up talking about Jack Grealish, but, uh, you know, um, Jack Grealish is probably a different player to the player of 18 months ago. Yeah, I mean, remember, 18 months ago, he was, he, he, was, yeah. he, was, he was like uh, looking for an escape from the misery of, of his, his day-to-day existence, where he's a much happier, more confident footballer now, I would think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but he's also, a, he's been remodelled by Pep Guardiola as well, in the sense that um, he's much more of a, a ball carrier, uh, but not a ball carrier that just runs into trouble and... Uh, you know, lo- loses the ball. He he's been taught to distribute the ball. Now, some may say that that has taken the best of him away. You know, the Aston Villa individual brilliance. But if you've got a if you're a manager and you you've got a system, then someone like Jack Grealish can be pretty handy. And you know, Raheem Sterling hasn't had the happiest time of Chelsea, um, though. You know, there's he's at a club in flux. But for England, um, even when he was at Manchester City, his performances tended to be better for the national team than they were for Manchester City. Yeah. So so you you've got so there's a reliable player to play off Harry Kane. Um of course, it, just like any team in the tournament that, that there will be concerns over injury, but you actually look through the tournament and say beyond Brazil or maybe Argentina, um, perhaps even Argentina that there isn't 
there's a problem with strikers. There aren't that many informed strikers around, are there? You know, the the probably the two best strikers in or best forwards in English football are, are sat at home in Mo Salah and Erling Haaland. Um, and Harry Kane would be in that echelon, you'd say. He's out there. Um, and so, what? What from England? You, 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 you've got that goal scorer, as you say, Joe. Um, and you hope that. I mean, listen. You, <laughs> if you ran through Harry Kane's goals in major tournaments, there seems to be a few penalties and a few tap-ins. Um, but uh, he did hit form at a certain point in the tournament. He does knock them in, and a reliable goal scorer takes you a long way. Um, as, as Germany found a few years ago with Miroslav Klose, hmm. no one's going to say Klose was the best player in the world, but he scored goals, and that in an international tournament is absolutely key, isn't it? Yeah. So if Kane has gone in the right direction versus last summer, at the back for England, it's gone the other way. Tyrone Mings is completely off the scene now, having started and done quite well in a couple of games at Euro 2020. And there's just the Harry Maguire problem, and it really must be a problem for Southgate, and it, it must be one of the main focuses for him right now. They have Stones, they have Dyer, they have Maguire, they have Cody, they have Ben White. So it's not rich pickings there and, and Southgate has made the decision to go with a three. So it looks like it will be Stones, Dyer and Maguire and perhaps Kyle Walker comes back in and, and slots in into one of those centre-half positions. That remains to be seen. But regardless of how much protection they try and give Harry Maguire, John, I can't think of a player who looks more bereft of confidence going into a major tournament. No, no. I was trying to think, make a comparison there uh, of players that have gone into... And you, you're almost... I mean, I, I was thinking of Harry Maguire as almost comparing to someone like Jim Layton, who went into Scotland's World Cup in 1990 and unfortunately had a bit of a disaster. Mm. Um, and you would worry uh, that, that something like that would happen because... Harry Maguire is one of those, well, one of those people actually who uh, is not very good at hiding his disappointment at, at what's gone on. He's not a stone-faced, uh, you know, ride out the what's the problems that are happening to him. He's a he's worn this pretty hard, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, now, if you recall, for the Euros last time, uh, he'd missed quite a lot of the end of Manchester United season. Missed the. Europa League final, uh, I think where he sorely missed by United, came in and, and did a great job for Southgate. And I think that's the hope for Southgate. But the issue is that it's a hope rather than any sense of expectation because, okay, Maguire's performances under Ten Hag when he's come in haven't been absolutely disastrous uh, if late, but at the start of the season they were. And that led to him being dropped from the team uh, for players who are far better on the ball. Uh, and you know, far better at positioning than he has become. Um, and uh, one of the problems of England, uh, as you as you as you be, as we began talking about, is that there are those players who I've always felt over the years, and maybe not at this era, have gone to a tournament thinking, "Is it going to be me that knocks us out of the tournament?" And if you were to take bets on that type of thing, Harry Maguire is the most likely of those players. And you do wonder psychologically how he is building himself up to avoid that status and also to avoid those thoughts that it could be him. Mm. Um, Southgate's taking a, a risk there. But actually, when you flip through that other cast, John Stones is playing for Manchester City and you know playing OK. Um, Pep Guardiola sometimes has 
had a habit of dropping, in fact, all of his centre-halves. Stone seems okay at the moment, though City haven't defended that well. Eric Dyer, well, um, let's credit him with a revival in his career, but I wouldn't say he's the most trustworthy player. Connor Cody, um, very good at organising a defence, seems to be taken as a good tourist. Um, didn't play that well for Everton, it has to be said, uh, against against Bournemouth last weekend. Um, and uh, Ben White, who you mentioned, has played all season as a fullback, a good fullback, it should be said. And I suppose maybe Ben White in for Kyle Walker might be a bit of a tip there because you can play in a three. I think he had, did back in his Brighton days, um, which is perhaps why he's brought in. And Kyle Walker's absence and Kyle Walker's injury is problematic because, again, there's a player whose speed could deal someone like Harry Maguire out of trouble. He's not going to be around for, we think, the first game. I would suspect the second game as well. I was sitting at a petrol station last night and I was calming and no mother of God, the window got tapped three <laughs> times in ten minutes. They are That was mad. the one lad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're mental about it, yeah. That's Don't go to rock. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball With Sky All the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports And the tricky part for Maguire is There's no lead-in time here There's no No. sense of getting away from what's been a miserable time And getting a couple of weeks in the sun And going well and training and, And gradually feeling sharper and part of things I mean, it's straight out of whatever very difficult period it's been at Old Trafford they arrive today and suddenly he'll find himself on the pitch and you know I was thinking of uh, it, it, when you're going through a bad spell sometimes you can uh, protect yourself a little bit on the pitch And I, but it, it's very difficult if he's going to be targeted in the way you suspect he will where it reached a real nadir in some respects was that game at Old Trafford near enough to the start of the season where he came off the bench against Arsenal there was an injury and he came off the bench and yeah. United were going along quite well and just out of nowhere he and it's because he's lacking confidence his decision making is off he went for a ball he shouldn't have and then he had to haul someone down and it was a yellow and there was just this sense of this guy's gone and and, and you know you'd really worry for him in that respect yeah. because I, I don't know there's no there's no possibility of Southgate nursing him back somehow here well, in the no short term yeah there's nowhere to be nursed there's no rematch there's no, there's no warm up game um if he plays, he plays, and he and he has to. Southgate and him have to face the consequences of that. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it, it does feel as though if if Maguire Maguire is selected because there isn't really anybody else. I mean, you mentioned Tyrone Mings. He's had a probably worse time than Harry Maguire. I mean, obviously he fell out with the manager. Yeah, and then they've got a new manager there, and you know, absolute turmoil at, at Aston Villa and. You'd, you'd be pretty brave to make an Aston Villa uh, defender from this season, it has to be said. Um, and I suppose, you know, you turn to players that have, have come through for you in the past and Southgate, and another of his welcome facets is, is loyalty. Um, yeah, and, and, and the other thing, of course, you know, if, if you're Harry Maguire and you're willing to address this situation as a positive thing, he plays well for... Uh, England at this tournament, and uh, there was a talk recently. Well, there's a story recently. Jamie Jackson got for us at the Guardian that Manchester United wants to sell Maguire. I mean, uh, I'm fairly sure that that's been the case for a while, but you know, a, a bit of solid info on that. Um, 
Harry Maguire could get himself a, a move to a, a reasonable club if he puts up a good performance at this tournament. I mean, it's you know, there's a shop window there for him. There's there's opportunity for him. Um, I've always felt Maguire for England has been better than well, he's always been better than a player I expected uh, when I used to see him play for Hull City. Let's put it that way. He's come a long way, um, and maybe what's happened to him, um, particularly at a club like Manchester United, it's a it's a regression to the mean. He was maybe over promoted, some sort of Peter principle. It's it's quite sad to see because, as I said before, he does wear it quite yeah. heavily, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. Like it's it's not um, it's not a nice thing to see someone yeah. looking so visibly uh, shaken by the whole experience, and it's and it's been talked about so much that there is a focus on him. On them, um, so who knows what to expect from this tournament at large? And the point has been widely made that the European sides and the South American sides haven't come up against each other all that often across this World Cup cycle on account of COVID. So there's almost a throwback element to seeing how um, they pitch up against one another. Obviously, European sides have been dominant of late. What does Southgate need to do here in, uh, to be uh, to, to quell? Uh, I, I, I'm a serious debate about his future post-tournament because he has signed in late last year he did sign a contract extension to bring him up to 2024 the Euros in 2024 so given the negativity we've talked about if England bow out in a 1-0 defeat last 16 or quarter-final stages uh, what's your sense of how secure Southgate is? I would think the FA love his ambassadorial persona and, and so much of, of what he's done. But if, if this negativity that we've talked about, which is built up this year, uh, it won't be quelled by a, a meek, overly defensive World Cup showing here. No, it won't be. It, it, that's absolutely right. And um, it, I, I think one of the, the issues uh, beyond the, the Southgate era is that... Um, for, for English managers, uh, is the England job still the big job that you want? Um, now, who would be the contenders for Gareth Southgate's job? There's two that come to mind. I'm sure you know who I'm going to say. Graham Potter, obviously at Chelsea. Eddie Howe at Newcastle. Now, they are at clubs who, uh, if not limitless funds, you, know, you, you, you are there with clubs who, in Chelsea's case, are... Champions of Europe 18 months ago, Newcastle, you know, the sky's the limit for them. Um, are, are we in a, a, an era where um, national coaches, particularly in England, come from a, a lesser rung, which is how we ended up with Southgate, really, because, mm. um, you know, uh, once Roy Hodgson uh, uh, steps away, uh, what were we left with? Well, we were left with Sam Allardyce. Now, <laughs> now, you know, uh, Sam Allardyce was a decent Premier League manager, let's put it that way. Uh, but uh, the fact that they turned to him, considering a few of the factors which obviously came to roost, suggested that the cupboard was slightly bare there. But in that time since, English managers have done well, and I, I named the two that are doing particularly well at the moment. Um, what what the, what the FA is relying on is from those two managers, both of whom are very ambitious, and both of whom probably at a certain point felt at the end of their managerial journey, they would like to be an England manager in the ma- in the manner that, say, Bobby Robson became England manager at the end of his time as Ipswich manager, or Graham Taylor after serving Watford so well. It, you know, that's the way it used to go. And Roy Hodgson, of course. Now all these managers eventually came back to football because you know it's a drug; they can't, they can't give it up. 
But um, has the FA got the clout to convince somebody like Graham Potter, uh, like Eddie Howe, to walk away from these projects? Now, there is a possibility, of course, that Graham Potter will be available if all doesn't go away at Chelsea. Eddie Howe, of course, seems bolted in there, doesn't he? So what you've got there in discussion of those two is what comes next for, for England. And um, unfortunately, well, I, I find unfortunately, we've become quite an inward-looking country uh, politically as well. And it feels like we have to have an English manager, uh, just like you uh, in Ireland have to have an Irish manager. You know, I can see why Stephen Kenny is popular um, among certain fans anyway. And um, what, what you have with uh, Southgate is an Englishman and he's probably the next best Englishman around. It may rely on his own ambitions and his own desire um, and his own um, intent to see out that the, the it's not going to be abuse from the press because I think things have changed. He's not going to be painted as a root vegetable. Mm. He's not going to be turnip tailor. He's not terry vegetable. But th- there might be some people turn against him. And if it goes disastrously, Gareth Southgate, you would suggest, is in honourable enough manager to say okay my time is done here yeah that as i said presents the fa with a big problem because i don't see if they're going to be able to a pay the money or b convince those other top english managers to get the job the other possibility of course john is gareth in england go all the way and he walks yeah. off into the sunset because they can't get any better than this world cup champions uh so where are england going to finish up at qatar 2022 as a final thought <laughs> The, the prediction, I think last time I predicted that when, when we had this conversation, I predicted they'd go out in the quarterfinals. Um, I may as well go for the same. Uh, I, I think the factors we've discussed and several beyond that mean that, um, and actually uh, the environmental factors as well, I should say. Um, I was in Brazil in 2014 when it was very, very hot. Now, it's a different type of heat. Um, and I do wonder... Um, how an Englishman or 26 Englishmen uh, and a manager and his staff are going to get through uh, a big tournament in that heat. Talking to friends and colleagues already in Qatar, well, it seems like it's roasting. And uh, I don't think there's quite a Paul Scholes uh, ginger-style guy that's just going to melt. But I do wonder how if the environmental factors might be a problem. Um, but beyond that, the Harry Maguire question, the Harry Kane question. Um, I think a fit Calvin Phillips is actually missed. I mean, he's, he's in the squad, but how fit is he? Um, and so, yeah, quarterfinals. Let's say quarterfinals. Uh, we go there, as, a, as the phrase I used before, in hope rather than expectation. Um, but is quarterfinals par for England at this tournament? Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, I think... Uh, a few people would accept that considering how things have gone over the last years. But do people actually think England are going to win the World Cup? I certainly don't get that feeling. But part of that, Joe, is that, of course, this World Cup has just suddenly arrived in the middle of a domestic season. Yeah. And we were only just thinking about it in the last few days. You've had no time to talk yourselves into it, you know? You need to get. Absolutely, yeah. Yuri Geller onto the this morning show, bending spoons and all this kind of thing. You know, it's, 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 we've missed some of the great pageantry. Uh, we are pretty much out of time. Thank you so much for jumping in last minute, by the way. I will leave you to return to Ronaldo and Piers Morgan. So, best of luck. 
All the best, Joe. Lovely to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks so much. John Bruin with us live on the line there. Our football show coverage and off the ball brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.